1: Alan Sawyer is an OBGYN and he's now a medical missionary. He's actually overseas as we speak right now and he's going to talk about sanctity of life and that's a big fancy term for, for what is life. When does life begin and how do we treat others? Sometimes the term sanctity of life gets so focused in on just the abortion debate and it should. It's important but also how do we treat each other? How do we treat human lives that are outside of the womb? How do we treat the elderly? How do we treat the handicapped? How do we just treat each other? How do we treat people that are different us, that have different opinions than us? That is part of the sanctity of life as well, because we value that. We believe that life begins at conception, life begins in the mother's womb. The passage that we go to a lot is Psalm 139, and in verse 13 he says, For thou didst form my inward parts, thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. You are fearfully and Wonderfully made. We could spend a whole chapel. We could spend a whole month, a whole year talking about how incredibly made you are. Um, just how your your eye works, or your heart works, or your skin works, and I'm, I could go on. But it's really, really cool. But this psalm also hits on um, what we would call the omniscience. Of God, when He says, "O oh Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me; Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up; Thou dost understand my thought from afar; Thou dost scrutinize my path and my lying down, and art intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, Thou dost know it all." He knows everything about you. He created you, He formed you, and He loves you. And uh, I get to rest in that. We get to rest in that. Um, I hope you. Are encouraged today. Um, I hope you're encouraged over the next few weeks and and grow and learn and come in with open hands and open hearts. We have my friend uh, Nicole here along with our our friend Dr. Alan Sawyer and uh, we've been hitting this idea of the Imago Dei, the image of God and it's it's just so far-reaching and uh, today we're going to look at what that looks like in the area of sanctity of life. And for that, we have our friend, again, Dr. Alan Sawyer. And uh, you're an obstetrician. That's correct. Um, doctor that um, cares for women during pregnancy. Um, how many babies
0: in your career have you delivered? Uh, about 11,000. 11,000. Yeah, a small town. Okay.
2: <laughs> that's like my hometown. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's amazing. Um, and how long has that career been? Um, uh, first baby in 1986. Wow. And then... Uh, here in the valley since 1989. So okay, uh, did you any grandbabies? Have you delivered any any like uh, babies of babies you delivered? Yeah, yeah okay. I've delivered babies to babies I've delivered. <laughs> okay, yeah. and then yeah. probably know my my son actually married a, a girl that I delivered. <laughs> I did that crazy Brittany. Yeah, so
1: great. Um, so it, you're an expert in this, and I'm gonna. Ask, when when does life begin as an obstetrician as a, as a doctor? When does life begin?
0: Uh, you know, I I think this is something that. The popular press doesn't really cover, but life begins, according to science and embryology, when a when a unique egg and a unique sperm join and form a unique individual. And mm-hmm. if you put that unique individual inside of a womb and nourish it, that baby will grow into a a child and be born and and grow into an adult. So mm-hmm. you really have to say that life begins at fertilization.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, and I, I've I've heard you say. Um, that the womb is one of the most dangerous place, if not the most dangerous place in the world to be. What do you What do you mean by that?
0: Well, if you uh, if you define the the most dangerous place in the world as the place that you're most likely to die, then the womb is the most dangerous place in the world to be because more people are murdered inside of a womb than any other place. Yeah.
2: Um, what? Why do you think it's? Um, we're talking about. You know, Kingdom culture, and that the people of God um we want to follow Jesus and this idea of sanctity of life. Why is this so important this this idea of sanctity of life? Why is it so important that we cling to this truth?
0: you know I, I think as as Christians that um, we believe that we are created in the image of god and and that we're unique that god mm-hmm. God knew us even before. We were born; he knew our days before we were born. David the psalmist writes that, and so um, when you start to reject that and you reject that there is no God that there is no Jesus, that there is nothing unique about us, that we're just a pile of carbon and water, mm-hmm. um then um all of a sudden, life becomes um dispensable mm-hmm. um and yeah. cheap and and so uh, we need to realize that our core beliefs of God and Christ and uniqueness and being made in the image of God um, is what makes us priceless. Yeah.
2: yeah. Why I I think I've heard before you've spoken, so love when you've come and spoken to the staff. And um, I think that I've heard you tell this story before, but particularly you personally, you um, why are you pro-life? And and what what's the story behind that? I know beyond being a follower of Jesus and clinging to the truth of the gospel, um, what, what kind of you expand that out a little bit?
0: Yeah. Um, so back in the 1930s, there was a, a woman who was diagnosed with a disease called consumption, which is the old term for tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. We don't call it that anymore, but she was told to never get pregnant because um, tuberculosis goes to through the placenta into mm-hmm. the baby. And then um, so she was told to abort that baby. Um, they ended up getting pregnant anyway because they really wanted children and they didn't have any. And uh, so she went on to um, get pregnant and have a child, even though she was told to abort by her doctors, which would have been legal back even in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they didn't ever have any more children, but that little girl ended up going on to nursing school mm-hmm. and she ended up having her mom tested uh, for Tuberculosis. Um they had learned some things. And and uh so she had her mom tested, and it turned out that her, her mom had never had tuberculosis, that wow. she was negative. And then um, but then that little girl that nurse now ended up getting married and and had two children. And um on December 7th, 1960, um, she had her second son, and that second son is me. Wow. And so I'm just very grateful that my grandmother yeah. didn't abort my mother otherwise the consequence would be that I wouldn't be here today
2: mm-hmm. even even with the encouragement of the doctors like a medical that's a lot of the argument is that if it's if there's a medical condition or the mother's life is threatened and even um, her making that courageous decision, even with medical um, advice, telling her to do so. That's, that's really awesome. So um, in your career, you've delivered, you know, my hometown, I mean, not really literally, but the number of people in my hometown, Um, have, have you ever had to deliver a baby with a birth defect, and then this defect um, was a threat to their life? And, and what was that experience like? And what what kind of did you see come of that?
0: Baby in particular, always comes to mind a couple, he is actually a a pastor of a church here in town and his wife came into my office um, after their ultrasound and had been told that the baby didn't have a brain. Um, it's called anencephaly where there's no development above about this point. one whole brains exposed whatever is there of the brain is exposed to amniotic fluid and it's almost uniformly fatal. Um, I've never seen one survive beyond a month and I uh, And so I talked to them about what their issues are or what their options are. And of course, termination of pregnancy wasn't an option for them. Mm -hmm. So that's called perinatal hospice, where you will care for a pregnancy where you know that the baby won't survive. Mm -hmm. So you know, hospice for old people, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. sick people, um, and then that goes all the way down to caring for an unborn baby even while it's still inside the womb. But that little boy, his name's Benjamin. Um, and Benjamin in the Old Testament has two two meanings. One is son of my right hand or son of honor, and the other is um, son of sorrow. Benjamin was the perfect name for this little boy. Benjamin was born, and they had all their friends from their church and, and family were all there. And, and Ben lived for seven and a half hours. Uh, the photographer came in and took 1,200 pictures of Ben. Um, And then Ben's story has subsequently been told by me and by lots of other people. It's been used as a basis for legislation promoting perinatal hospice. But one of the most remarkable things was Ben at his eulogy at his funeral, he had over 300 people at his funeral. And at that point, over a dozen people that we knew of had come to faith in Christ from Ben's life of seven and a half hours. And so one of the pastors started by saying, he started his eulogy by saying, I wanna be just like Ben. I want to have every hour of my life mm-hmm. count to the same level that Ben's life counted. Can you imagine that if for every seven and a half hours of your life, that, yeah. that 12 people would come to the Lord? Mm-hmm. And that for every seven and a half hours that you survive, that that many people, that 300 more people would show up at your funeral. Mm-hmm. So that over a lifespan of 80 years, how many hundreds of thousands would pe- of people would come to know the Lord, and how many millions of people would have to show up at your funeral to match Ben's life? And so he finished the sermon by saying, so I want to be just like Ben. Do you? And uh, I think that when people say that, well, that baby has a birth defect, that baby is its just going to die when it's born, why don't you just get it over with now and abort the pregnancy. And they would have missed that whole blessing um, of all of that.
2: That's so powerful. So powerful.
0: Now as an expert,
1: you are an expert. Now you're, you're going all over the world now.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, What are some, can you give me a story out of uh, what's going on in Indonesia or, or somewhere over there?
0: They're all hunkered down because of COVID-19 right now, because they're, they're scared. Um, And they need to be scared because most of the hospitals that I go and work at don't have ventilators. Mm-hmm. So if you if you need a ventilator, then that's the end of your life. Uh, that's what's actually prevented me from being outside the country right now, well, is because yeah. um, they're all locked down, which yeah. they should be.
1: So as a as a Christian, love Jesus, um, pro life, I'm not. I'm gonna deliver any babies i hope unless it's you know unless there's nobody else around like a real, um, emergency. Yeah, that'd be a real emergency real emergency um, but what do we do the mother's <laughs> screaming is somebody else out there? <laughs> <laughs>
0: anybody?
1: And i don't think anybody else watching is either um i hope not but uh what do we do um mm-hmm. dr sorry how do how do we live now um when we know these things i think we need to live boldly mm.
0: yeah and uh You know, I I have to say, you you probably will agree that this whole COVID-19 thing has really emboldened a lot of people to be much more um, vocal about their faith. Mm -hmm. Just look at social media and what's happening and people posting prayers and people declaring Jesus and declaring God on the profile pictures on their Facebook page. People that would have never have done that before. Um, And so, and I think that, the rest of the world is watching. Thank you, my friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank yeah. you, um, Nicole. Good, that's good stuff,
2: right that's there. That's good stuff.
1: Northwest Christian School has made biblical worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.